The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm your host, Jason, along with my good friend and co-host, Roger. And uh, we're back to tackle once again uh, the topic we've been looking at the last few episodes, uh, the assurance of salvation. And this is part four. And in just a bit, we'll be looking at the fourth paragraph of chapter 18 of the London Baptist Confession of 1689 uh, to see uh, how they close out this section on assurance of salvation. But before then, uh, Roger, the other day I was out at a barbecue place. And, uh, and I don't know if you like barbecue very much or not, but I really like barbecue mm. and I like, uh, combos because I like to choose kind of the meats that I'm going to, I'm going to eat that, that particular day. I like them all to be honest, but mm-hmm. let's say you could choose two. Okay. And you got, you know, baby back ribs, you got beef brisket, mm-hmm. you got pulled pork, you got barbecue chicken, and then you got like a hot sausage link. Which two would you choose? Well, since I did live in Texas for a little while, I have had real barbecue compared to, I think, what we have in California. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if I had to choose two, I would go with the the ribs and a good sausage. I got one of those hot sausages. Uh Now, are you yeah. are you a baby back rib kind of guy, or you would you if you if they had the beef ribs, would you go with the beef ribs? I like them both. Should yeah, we just like? Should we just cancel this episode and go eat? I, I think so. Isn't indoor might, dining coming back to it, California? I don't know. <laughs> Is it, I, I, I hope. Well, yeah. I I, I just uh, I I think I would. I don't. I just like them all, but I think I would probably go with the brisket. Uh, and the sausage hmm. that's probably the route i would go but with that very clear segue right to the topic of assurance because you know if you if you had answered incorrectly there would be no salvation for you no um we're going to take a look at at part four here this the fourth paragraph of the london baptist confessions chapter on this uh, assurance of grace and salvation they call it and let me just start out by reading it because uh, I think this might be the topic that our, our listeners may f- feel kind of a, a, an affinity toward or a closeness to mm. just uh, because of how real and human this, this part really is. It says, true believers may in various ways have the assurance of their salvation shaken, decreased, or temporarily lost. This may happen because they neglect to preserve it or fall into some specific sin that wounds their conscience and grieves the spirit. It may happen through some unexpected or forceful temptation or when God withdraws the light of his face and allows even those who fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light. Yet they are never completely lacking the seed of God the life of faith, love of Christ and the brethren, 
sincerity of heart, or conscience concerning their duty. Out of these graces, through the work of the Spirit, this assurance may at the proper time be revived. In the meantime, they are kept from utter despair through them. There's a lot there uh, mm-hmm. to unpack, and uh, probably more than we'll be able to unpack fully, at least. But let's look at let's just break it down, starting at the at the top there. True believers can go through this struggle with assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, do you uh, do you agree or disagree? I agree. You know, in, in a sense that I like the distinction even they're starting out with that they're talking about assurance as uh, describing the experience not the reality of their faith not their true salvation the objective salvation that they have that's not they're talking about comes and goes right they're talking about the experience that we feel on our side of toward god yeah being assured of that and I like I like their three descriptions here: shaken, decreased, or even temporarily lost. Yeah. That those are you know we've all experienced that kind of that momentary that shaken moment of our of our assurance where whoa something happens for whatever reason. Um, we've probably gone through times where we feel like our assurance has actually decreased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to admit, I've gone through a period of time uh, years ago now, but a period of time where I would say, if you asked me at that time, especially that I had temporarily lost my assurance mm. of salvation. So I, those are three kind of different things. They're related, but they're three different uh, experiences people can have. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he, he, they go on to explain kind of why this might happen. What do, you, what do you make of that section there, Roger? It's interesting when I was looking at the text that they were referring to. So they talk about how this may happen because they neglect to preserve it mm-hmm. or fall into some specific sin. I appreciate that they're talking specifics and not generalities. Generalities mm-hmm. aren't helpful when you talk about sin. Um, that wounds their conscience and grieves the spirit. They In that second part, the specific sins that wounds the conscience and grieves the spirit, they're actually referring to David in Psalm 51 when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then killed her husband. So you got an adulterous murderer yep. that they're referring to. And I thought about that. And when they talked about the specific sin, it's not just the specifics of his sins, but of even how he went about it. They were presumptuous. He planned them out. Mm-hmm. He yep. saw and he said, I want to be with her. And then he planned the murder of her husband. And so, yeah. And he, and he planned it in one of the most wretched ways possible. Yeah. If you think about what he did, he sent the letter that was his, sealed the man's death. He sent it with him yes. because he trusted Uriah that he wouldn't open the letter that was sealed. He wouldn't open it until it got to, you know, where it was supposed to go. Uh, That's, that is, I mean, high crime right there. That is bad, dirty, kind of perverse, whatever you want to describe. And that's the man after God's own heart. 
Yeah. And then, he, but what did he, what did he deal with after he was confronted by Nathan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think about how he was so blinded at that temporary time period. Think of it was grievous to the spirit, but he wasn't lost. He was temporarily blinded to his own sin and became so prideful that he even saw that in others, but missed it in himself because we usually miss what we point out in others that we're dealing with that same struggle. Yeah. But what I, what I'm thinking is to, you know, what he says in, in Psalm 51, as he's referring back to that scene he really senses the the weight at that point of what he had done. Yeah. And he even says, take not thy Holy spirit from me, right? Restore to me the joy of thy salvation that he, he's lost something. Yeah. And think of that. The, the pronoun re- return to me, the joy of thy salvation or your salvation. Yeah. It's not his, it's, it's the Lord's salvation right. in his life, yeah. that experience that he's feeling he lost at that moment because he grieved the spirit. That's right. And, and if you think about what he's seen in his lifetime, so yeah. he watched Saul yeah. and he watched the spirit in a sense. I, I don't know if he was there. I'm trying to think back. Was he there at the scene? The spirit departed Saul, mm-hmm. right? And he, there's there's this moment. Now, again, this is Old Testament, Old Testament. You know, we're, we're not the same will not occur in the new covenant. That's not how that works. But, yeah. but we, without getting into the details there, but, but what, what David is remembering is what happened with Saul. And he's saying, don't let that happen to me. Yeah. He, he's feeling a distance from the Lord. He's, he's understanding that there's something amiss. And, uh, I think we feel that sometimes when we, when we yeah. fall into that kind of sin, when we fall into whatever sin, maybe a repetitive sin, uh, yeah. um, we, we, we sense that we, we subjectively yeah. sense the distance. But what undergirds that subjective uh, uh, experience is the objective reality that he's keeping us, even though we might be making a mess out of our life at that moment. Yeah. And we're experiencing the natural consequences. We shouldn't feel assured and close to God if we're living in that moment of sin. You're, you're in that enjoyment of sin at that moment. So in a sense, isn't assurance lost every time we have that moment or that time when we're in sin? We're enjoying and loving sin more than we're loving God at that moment. That's what we're doing and so there is uh, an experience that's good for us because there's also a reminder that that's not who we are anymore. That's not what we were made for. We were once again blinded, deceived. We followed after our own heart and what was going on. And we once again fell into the trap. And then we feel that sense of God's far away. Yeah, that's the reminder that that's not what we were made for anymore. And yeah. that cycle can happen depending on the person and what's what sins we're talking about, that can be a difficult cycle for people to get out of because what tends to happen, I think is we're talking about ourselves again, our focus is back on us so much because what's in view is how awful we see our life. And we forget that it's, we still need to be pursuing Christ to change us, not our own strength. So. 
Yeah. It's interesting, the wording there, the sin, that specific sin that wounds their conscience and grieves the spirit. You know, there's something there that the language here of grieving the spirit in scripture has to, it's the same language as the grief uh, that the world or or that people can experience when they lose a loved one. It's the same word, if I remember correctly, in, in the original language, there, there is a, remember that the, the spirit is a person and there is this mm-hmm. personal relationship yeah and he's being grieved somehow whatever that means there's some sort of anthropomorphic language yeah. certainly but something's going on there with our relationship with the spirit but what's not going on is the spirit's not departing us mm-hmm. yeah and that we know and that, and that's something that you know they start with true believers so yeah. Yeah, we, we know we're still, and we will be, because it's not our job to keep ourselves in the faith. The Lord keeps us, but, yeah. but the spirit is still there, but we're grieving him. And just like a, you know, a, a father is grieved by his son's sins, let's say, or, or, you know, disobedience, we don't go and, and uh, applaud our children for sinning against us or disobeying mm-hmm. us. So there can be anger, a, a righteous indignation to, toward our children, a punishment that we're giving them. And the children at that moment may feel distant even, mm-hmm. but it's never, it doesn't change the Christian father's love, at least for their children. Yeah. Uh, even though they might change for the moment, the way they're relating to them so that they could feel the burden of their sin so that they might turn back to the things of God. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That connection between kind of how we deal with our children? Yeah. And I think that the love that we have hasn't been lost. It's not, Sweet. we love our children any less. We can be grieved by the choices that they're making, the things that they're doing that we've maybe taught them and they know, and then they choose to go another way, but it's not, I love you any less. It's, I love you the same. And that relationship, the father's love doesn't wane because we sin and it doesn't grow because we're obedient. You know, he he loves us the same throughout. And that's the comfort we have and a good encouragement uh, when we're in those times of feeling distant from him. So let me ask you, keeping on this analogy with uh, a father and children, when a child disobeys and then feels instantly that kind of that fear or that distance, maybe that, oh, I've disobeyed my father. I know that he's not going to be happy with me. Or what, what changes that feeling or that sensation in that child? What what is it that has to happen or change um, for that relationship to be restored? If it's a serious sinful act, something the child has done, I think it's an understanding uh, from the child's perspective of I've done wrong and a seeking of wanting to be forgiven for that sin Mm. and the change of heart. It's not just the behavior outside aspect. It's the heart of, oh, I've done wrong, but there's, there's a humility and a turning back. Uh, that helps restore the relationship um, yeah. to it. Now, the analogy is hard because we're sinful too, and sometimes right. <laughs> mess up that transaction a lot. Sure. <laughs> you know, 
but what we're not waiting for and i or i hope we're not <laughs> is yeah. is that the the child get it right before they feel our love ever again right correct yep hey you know what no get it right obey or else you're not going to be loved by me no yeah no actually i find myself sometimes when my children are are in disobedience and you know, especially if they're broken over their disobedience, there's kind of an, it's a yeah. little bit easier to approach them in that. But, but I, I, I kind of feel like we, I draw nearer to them in those states so that they will be reminded of the love that's not going to change. And it's when they see me again as their loving father, <laughs> rather than that fear of, oh, he's going to judge me because now, you know, now he's yeah. dad who's going to punish. Um, it, it suddenly changes them and, and they're kind of restored. And then, then they want to, they want to do better. They want to grow not out of me requiring it and wanting to punish, but out of them knowing how loved they are in that moment, even, even in their disobedience. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Exactly. Amen. Kindness. There's, and that continues. That's not just initial that's throughout our life. Yeah. But it's interesting the, the the confession goes on to to say it's not just through the specific sin, but it may happen through an unexpected or forceful temptation, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting there too. Or when God withdraws the light of His face, I, that what does he think that's referring to? God withdrawing the light of His face. I mean, a couple of those statements I'm thinking through of a forceful temptation is that something that's just not not just unexpected, but something your back is against a wall you have to face. Maybe it's a, a internal temptation or a trial you're going through, not sure what they're getting at. But I think with God withdrawing his light, possibly thinking of those even in the Bible where God allowed them to go through specific trials. And it tested them and it brought them low. I mean, think of the Psalms. I mean, how many of the Psalms become laments mm-hmm. of God? What is going on? Where are you? What have I done wrong? There's even a cry of, I don't think I've done anything wrong because they're fearing they did something to cause that. Yep. Where it wasn't many times, it was God doing something that we can't understand from our perspective that caused them to doubt there was always though a turning there was a turning back but i still trust you i just don't get it nothing makes sense where are you you know maybe that's the withdrawing where are you right now god i don't feel your presence anymore i don't feel i'm saved are you going to let me go down to hades are you going to let me go down to sheol are you you know what's going on help where are you Uh, yep. You know, Job, Job comes to mind, of course, mm-hmm. you know, Job has moments like that where the yeah. Lord has allowed him to go through this, this, you know, trial. Um, how did he feel as he was going through that? So it seems like sometimes the Lord allows us to go through these moments, these times. I mean, think I was thinking of Paul, even the thorn in his flesh, that could be um, a time when he could have felt yeah. Lord, why are you, why are you doing this to me? And maybe a, a lack of assurance of some sort. He doesn't quite say it that way there, but mm-hmm. yeah. But then there's this, this line yet they are never completely lacking the seed of God 
And then it goes on the life of faith, love of Christ and the <laughs> brethren, sincerity of heart, etc. And we'll, we'll get into some of those things. They are, they, there will never be a time they're saying, yeah. no matter how much uh, a struggle they're having or we're having with this lack of assurance, we're never completely lacking this, the seed of God. What does that mean? The seed of God. I think that's talking about the reality that we're in him, that we're in the faith that we have salvation. If the, you know, we think of, I believe it is first John three, nine, where it talks about God's seed abiding in him, mm-hmm. that it's talking about that union with Christ. Yeah. That is there. Even if, again, we're talking about even if our experience doesn't match up to what the reality of our faith is, that's there. Even if it's just a tiny seed yeah. is there. I, I think also of first uh, Peter uh, one, where he talks about the fact that we've been born again, not of perishable seed, hmm. uh, but of the imperishable, right? That is the word of God. He's talking about, and the word of God causes us to be born again. There's, I, I it seems to me that the authors of the con- confession are saying, you know, I, I hate to use this language, but you know, deep down <laughs> the believer knows and has been changed and that's not going to change. And so it, it, there's, you know, I, I was thinking even just pastorally, sometimes it takes just talking to a brother or sister who's struggling with doubt, struggling with assurance, just reminding them, just talking to them. But, but what do you think of Jesus right now? Sometimes I've asked, you know, someone who's struggling in this way, I have had, can you, can you deny Christ right now? Can you deny him that he is who he says that he is? Um, I'm not totally sure that's the most uh, appropriate pastoral approach, but uh, (laughs) we'll probably get some calls in on that one. Um, But it's interesting because these, these dear brothers and sisters can't, because there's something within them that has turned them to the Lord. And they know that even though they're questioning their own faith and holding on to the Lord, they know he's holding on to them somehow. But I bet you never say, can you show me a list of all of your good works and all the fruit that's born in your life at this moment? Oh, I didn't mention that. That was the first thing I asked them. The second question is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, second, second question is can you deny christ but um no. right yeah is is, is, is this a, can you give me a list of uh, no yeah you're we can't because that's what's probably causing their struggle right right because we're because in a sense we're looking inside of ourselves for something we cannot find and will never find our hope in yeah. That will always waver, no matter as much as it could waver outside. It's, if, we have, if we think we can find it inside, we'll never find assurance. But assurance is found outside of us yeah. in Christ. It, the promises of Christ, inside doesn't maybe confirm, expressive, but does not give us the ground for it. And I think 
we can become troubled at that, especially if we're in a down period of not seeing anything, yeah. then we get focused on ourselves. And this is talking about there's still light, there's still something inside that's there that cannot be denied, even if it's just a small spark. Yeah. It, it could even, you know, I, I've heard uh, a preacher say something like, you know, uh, we're supposed to be running after God, uh, but a lot of the time we're, we're walking after him. Uh, sometimes we're, we're crawling, you know, sometimes we're at a standstill, um, you know, sometimes we, we might be like uh, in, in the fetal position or whatever it is, you know, but, but yeah. The one difference always between the believer and the unbeliever is the direction we're looking, mm. you know, yeah. um, and, and it, it, there, there may be flaws in that analogy too, I'm, I'm sure, but notice the way they say it, they're never completely lacking the seed of God, the life of faith, there, there is faith there, mm-hmm. right? love of Christ and the brethren sincerity of heart or conscience concerning their duty it no matter how slight there's something there that has turned their attention to the lord yeah or that it has their attention on the lord uh, again it doesn't point it doesn't say they're doing this duty yeah it's it's the state of their heart mm-hmm. no matter how messed up it's still their new creation there's, there's, there's life there. Um, yeah. 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 I think if we think of what happens when we're born again and love of Christ is born in our heart, we're not talking about how much we're talking about is born there, that there's a turning you love Christ now, which turns first into love for him and then is expressed outward to the brethren, to those around us. And that humility that begins in the heart when we recognize we're fallen sinners and deserve his wrath, there's a humility, there's a sincerity of Lord, save me. That is a, it's the beginning of, of a change of heart. There's a desire that's starting to be born inside of us. That's right. And that can't come without the spirit. Yeah. Right. So often I, I, I want to ask, and I do ask in, in yeah. counseling situations, do you think that you know that you need Christ and that mm. you desire assurance on your own? Mm-hmm. You think that's just something within you and your, in your fallen humanity. And no, the spirit is mm. convicting. He's what's caused you to see he's um, so I, I don't want to say that, Sometimes their struggle for assurance is a sign of life, but maybe that is a way of saying it, right? Yeah. The, certainly a struggle with sin is a sign of, of uh, life, yeah. right? And I think a lack of assurance can be related. So I've asked a question, you know, to people uh, struggling, why do you care? Mm-hmm. Why do you care about this? Why right. are you still coming to church? What's going on in your heart? Like this, just trying to pull out because there is a struggle. There's a wrestling inside. That that struggle and wrestling is, I think, important at times because we know that in our natural flesh, when it's uh, battling the spirit, there is a wrestling inside. There's a struggle between the flesh and the spirit, and part of that can be 
that wrestling with wanting the Lord, maybe struggling in sin and not having assurance. And there's a lot going on inside. So if you don't care, you wouldn't even be asking the questions. Yeah. And so I don't want to point them then into themselves to say, okay, let me assure you, but let's point back to Christ and, and, and try to dive deeper into that understanding, understanding his grace and his love for you and see if that, helps change the uh, yeah, I mean, heart i, I, I think heart. part part of what that what we all have to understand is part of christ's love for us is that he changes our hearts mm-hmm. right and allows us to see him so now look at him stop looking yeah. at yourself yeah. um and so yeah so if, if they could see look there, there's a reason that you're aware that you need jesus now look at what he provides for you mm-hmm. and don't don't take your eyes off of that um, you know, it, it's interesting. We, in the last episode, we addressed the ordinary means, um, yeah. and how the church is useful in this process of building up assurance through the preaching of the word, the sacraments and those types of, uh, of things. But I think that there's something here as well that we need to think about that the church plays a role. If you're in a godly church, you're in a biblical church and you've got the you know elders and and leaders who are looking out for you and their their goal is to uh, oversee how you're growing and, and and again not that they are all knowing and it can know the heart yeah. or anything but there is something about being in a, a Christ centered church that also encourages our hearts and can bless us with assurance if they are practicing church discipline for instance um, and so you know. There's something about membership in the body that is so pivotal uh, to this. It's the way the Lord gives to us um, kind of that that built-in accountability and community for these moments. Even um, we talk, I and mean, this is a whole kind of related, but but we'll have to get to it another time. But how church discipline plays into this topic of assurance uh, and uh, and and how how we could look at at the, those two things and in, in the relationship. But I think we're, we're kind of running out of time on, on this episode, but why don't we recap? What are some of the key points from, from the fourth paragraph here that we want to leave our listeners with? I think the first is that there is a sense that assurance can ebb and flow in the Christian life, which can be affected by both what we uh, have done. If we've sinned, in a sense that has grieved the spirit, there could be a sense of loss there. There could be a working of God behind the scenes that we cannot see that also affects it. So we don't always know what's going on and we don't want to rely on our own knowledge to find that, nor do we want to look inside of ourselves to try to find assurance. We want to look to Christ and keep pursuing him and trusting in him and being reminded that a true believer may have a strong sense or a weak sense of assurance that doesn't change the reality of your salvation. We're talking mm-hmm. more about the experience, the daily experience we have and how important the body of Christ is in nourishing and encouraging and at times calling us to repentance as you talk about in church discipline out of love for a brother to come back to the faith of it's a serious, very serious thing that somebody yeah. has found themselves in. 
Yeah. And, and, and we want these things for your joy. So if you're, if you're listening and you struggle with, with doubt and, and lack of assurance of your own salvation, don't, don't feel like we're, we're trying to, you know, I, I think the, the authors do a good job here. They're not trying to condemn those people. They're saying we've all gone there. We've all been there. Um, what we want is for you to turn back to Christ and, and see him for who he is and the promises that he's given so that you could experience once again, the full joy um, that the Lord wants you to have the, the joy that comes with knowing him and that he has done from A to Z the work uh, to, to bring you to himself forever and ever um, by his grace. So, well, big topic, important topic. We will likely continue this conversation on to some other things besides the, uh, the, the, the uh, confession on this topic because there is so much more. Uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, you can uh, contact us, send us an email, let us know. And uh, as uh, Roger mentioned in our last episode, please note that we do have a Facebook uh, page up now for the uh, podcast as well. We'd love for some interaction there too. Uh, until next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.